Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you something. I'm, I'm very happy. Uh, the lovely Joanne just sent me a, a text that the Eagles will be playing uh, in two weeks against the Chicago Bears on Sunday Night Football, which I love when the Eagles play on regular TV because I'm really just getting tired of going out. I mean, when you, when I grew up, you know, you, you watch every game at home, you know. But here, you go out to these bars and there's all just like a bunch of idiots. And you, you sit there and you watch, there's like 15 different TVs. There's 10 different games. You can't get sound. So that made my day today, actually, that that game will be on. Of course, this week I have to go out to watch the Vikings game, which, you know, there's not many Viking fans around. But enough about that. I don't want to talk about the Eagles. They're doing great. We have a great show today. We have a, we have a guest. Uh, my, my guest is a big character actor, a big actor. I, I saw him, and as usual, I, I, I send these people messages on Facebook and go, hey, you want to do my show? And he is, and it's Ray Abruzzo. Did I say it right? You said it perfectly. But man. it's so funny because my girlfriend's Italian. Her name is Butero. Oh, and, uh, Butero. Okay. okay no, we're going to start real quick. Sorry. Right. Okay, you're Italian. You yes, live I in am. L.A. Yes, I am. Okay, now you came, you're from New York. From New York, yeah. Okay. Now, you will know this because last year, I was back, right, I grew up right near Philadelphia, right. and me and Joanne's family went to the Feast of Seven Fishes. Okay, yeah. Now, is there any, place, is there any place in L.A. that does it? Do you know of? Yeah, no. Isn't it bullcrap? Yeah, I, there's, there's not much of anything here. You know, they tried to even do the San Gennaro feast down here in Hollywood. They do that once a year, and it's kind of fun, you know? But uh, it's just trying to recreate something. It's not organic. It's I, not re- I went to that one year. Oh, the, yeah, the, I did it a couple of years. And I the thing is, though, the roller coaster was like, looked like it was going to fall apart. It was like <laughs> it was like worse than like the old school Coney Island and like Wildwood, New Jersey. It was the worst looking roller coaster. I was like, my old girlfriend at the time, she's like, do you want to go? I'm like, I'm not going on that thing. Look, it's like, it's rickety. Well, maybe they were trying to recreate what it was back in the day. <laughs> so they had it with no safety uh, situation at all. Yeah, yeah. So you grew up in New York. Yeah. Now, now, what part of New York? I grew up in Queens. Okay, now, because uh, now you're Italian. Yeah. Now, is it, is Queens, was Queens a big Italian area? Because I know my brother lived in Jackson Heights for a while. Yeah, not, you know, Jackson Heights, not necessary. But yeah, yeah, Italian-Americans, um, you know, originally we all, uh, they all, um, it, when they first came here, they all went to the Little Italy, Little Italy area there. You know, my family first came from Sicily. They were down, you know, uh, in Little Italy. And then eventually they keep moving out, moving out to Queens and then, you know, Staten Island. And then eventually the Verrazano Bridge brought them to New Jersey. You okay. know? So that's the, uh, that's the way the migration went. Now, as a kid... Did you ever think you would end up being an actor? Because it's so it's so weird. It's like because kids, it's like kids from the East Coast. Out here, I think kids may think they want to act, but kids from the East Coast, and you're from the city. Yeah, area. yeah, no, it's really it really wasn't part of something you're thinking about growing up. Uh, but you know, when I was when I was my freshman year in high school, I did a play, and uh, the reason I did the play, I, I was walking. It was the first day of uh, high school, and we're walking down the corridor, and you had to sign up for an extracurricular activity. So I was with all my friends from grammar school, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And one guy's going up for the baseball team, basketball, I didn't know. So I looked in the auditorium and it said a sign, auditions today. So I stuck my head in and the first row was filled with the prettiest girls in the school. So I told my friends, you guys go ahead, I'm going in here. And I went in, I auditioned for the play and Hurt the Wind, I got the part and uh, and I got bit. And that's it. That is such a New York thing because do you know Paul Carafotis? I do. Yeah. He oh, said boy, the same story. He was on a few weeks ago. He said he was thinner. He played sports, but he said all the hot girls were in the thing. Yeah, so well, he it, was overcompensating. But um, I know Paul. <laughs> he, it's not a true story with Paul. But for me, it is a true story. <laughs> <laughs> so you did that. So, so you, you get the bug. And then you, you get the bug. Then, you you know, it was the, I remember the play was Inherit the Wind. The, I, I played the kid that testifies in the trial. It wasn't a very big part, but he opens the play. You know, the curtain opened. And it was a pretty big auditorium in high school. I 
rarely play theaters that big now, you know. And uh, the curtain opened up, and I was there alone on stage, and you just felt the energy of the crowd, and I thought, uh, yeah, you know, I kind of like this. Were you nervous? Of course I was nervous. I still get nervous whenever I do theater. Did you have to, did you have to sit there and did you go over your lines? Because then when I started yeah. doing stand-up, you would do your acting. Oh, yeah, you always, you always run it through your head. You're always running it through your head. But inevitably, you know, even when I do a play now, right before I go on, it's I have no idea what my first line is. You know, you just... And do it, it just, just comes takes over. over. Then you walk out on stage, and all of a sudden, there so, it is. So you do that play. It's your freshman year, and uh, the bug gets you. Now, right. now, did your school produce a lot of plays? Did you know you had you could work more? Well, you know, we did. We had a uh, Dennis Feeney was the, the director of the plays. He was the English teacher director, and he really did cultivate some talent. But the, the, I was. My freshman year, the, the guy that played Henry Drummond in the play uh, was a friend of mine. I met him just then. Uh, he was a senior, and he played Henry Drummond. And his transformation from what from a senior in high school to playing Henry Drummond in that play, I was just so awed by it, you know. So we became friends, and uh, and we always did theater. And then we started a summer theater. Just a bunch of kids got together. We we got a church to give us their auditorium, and then every summer we'd spend the whole summer six days a week rehearsing and doing plays on our own building sets and it just kept snowballing how would you find the plays would you just like someone see something or were they originals or what were they no at that point they weren't originals you know we would try to we would do plays that uh that maybe somebody saw somebody maybe had done in high school and then one of us would direct it it was all kids there were no you know no adult supervision it must have been great because I, I bet the product was much better because you know a lot of times when it's kids doing it you know if adult gets involved adult wants to do their muscle when they don't really know uh, crap yeah, but the yeah. kids are just like you're we were eager and you're it. aware we were finding it you know it was like a garage band you know you're just learning together you know and everybody was working together at it and you know one play you might not be in it so you're building sets you know you're doing props you know everybody would do something so you really learn learn the whole the whole world of the theater at that point at a very young age you know and it was uh, all self-motivated and when you know when a kid is self-motivated i think uh, oh it's great yeah. and, and and it's raw i mean that's the thing it's it's that, it's that energy it and was, it, you would feel that energy yeah. i'm guessing because it's not you know you deal with your parents you're a kid you don't want to deal with some idiot going well you know right, you gotta right. do this you know my dad just told me to mow the lawn right. i don't want to don't, don't tell me how to do this don't this tell me how to act yeah. yeah yeah tell me how to mow the lawn don't tell me but you know that you'd you'd have somebody that was a year or two older but so when you're 14 15 16 and 17 somebody a year older they might have a little bit more information, but it was it was very generous and giving. We all we all learned a lot, and there are lessons I learned there, on stage, uh, back in those days, that, that carry me through today. You know. Now you sit there, you get through high school. Mm. Now, what's your course of action? Yeah, that was a tough one because at, all through high school, I also played in a band. Okay, now what so did you play? I played drums in, uh -huh. a, in a big, uh, an eight-piece band, eight, nine-piece band at the times, two trumpets, sax, trombone. So big band. Big yeah, band we thing. did kind of Blood, Sweat, and Tears, Chicago, okay. Sly and the Family Stone, all that kind of stuff. And we were pretty popular at, you know, 15, 16, 17 years old. Uh, and then the decision was, do I stay with the band? Because now I'm doing these plays, and you can't, I, they're both on the weekends. Right. So I kind of left the band, and then I didn't know what to do, so I was going to, I had to go to college, that's what I had to do. So I wanted to stay local because of the band at that time. So I went to St. John's University in Queens uh, with the idea that I was going to go to law school. Wasn't there coach Lou Carnesecca? Lou Carnesecca was there at the time. And Mullen, was, uh, Mullen. Was, Chris Mullen came much later. Was, okay. Yeah, 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 I remember that. I remember because yeah. I remember they would, because I, I, you know, Villanova was across the bridge. Right. 
and that was big. The big one, the big, big East, when the one that was like a true. Now that everything's screwed up, right? But back then it was Georgetown, St. John's, big, right? That Villanova. was it. Yeah, it wasn't like that now. Yeah, it's funny because about in nineteen, uh, I guess it was eighty four. I was walking on the beach out here in in Malibu, and I see a guy wearing a St. John's University T shirt, and I'm thinking, well, that's weird. St. Right. John's out here. So I went up to him. I said, you know, hey, you know, I was obviously older than he was. You know, I said I went to St. John's. He goes, oh yeah. I go there now. I'm I'm out here for the uh, Olympics. I play on the uh, on the Olympic team. Oh, really? Chris Mullen. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah. That's that's cool. Yeah, that was 1984. I can't. I haven't even really thought about that until you just mentioned it. Yeah. So, uh, well, so I went to St. John's with the idea of. Uh, of probably going to law school because that's what I thought I was going to do. I thought the same thing. A yeah, lot of us do that. It's yeah. like you sit there, you get you major in business, and you'll go to law school. What are you going to do? Yeah, yeah, that was the idea. And then I so I started in the they had a theater program, speech and theater program, but it really wasn't very good. So I'd, and I had been doing all that work in high school, so I already had a real kind of a feeling for theater. So I just got involved in the theater group there. And that became my college experience, you know, less the classes. Oh. So were you, doing, were you getting good roles? Yeah, I was getting good roles. I was directing right away. You know, I got a part first year, first week of, of college. I got, you know, a lead in one of the one-act plays. And then I was in with the group, and uh, it really built. And I just, we really built it from nothing. Again, it was one of those situations with no faculty advisors. There was a, an, in name, there was a faculty advisor. But we did it all ourselves, you know, and... Uh, and we really built it to something from maybe 15, 20 people. And by the end, by the time I left, you know, I'd become president. You know, like 8,500 members. And we really were doing, raising money, making money, doing productions that were profitable and doing, you know, hit shows. And then, you know, we did Waiting for Godot at the same time. We did Jesus Christ Superstar. And, you know, so it was really, really I learned a lot in that period of time as well. You know what's really amazing about that is it's, that is what now, it's so far before it's time because that's what people are doing now with the Kickstarter and all that. They're doing the same thing right. you did back but, then, and yeah, without and it's just cool because it was very it was you got over on the forefront because a lot of people didn't do it. But it's now it's coming back. But it's like it's the thing is that people weren't saying it's coming. It's oh, this is new. Right. It's, the Kickstarter's no. been around forever. You guys re- we were raising funds, we're doing it. Yeah, yeah, and and we were kids again without the supervision. It was all very very organic, and we were learning as we were going. And something about learning and discovering it by yourself, I think it sticks with you even better than when you taught it. You know when you discover something right you discover wow this works you know then it stays with you now when you graduated high school i mean college gotcha. graduate college um what what are you going to do are you, did you say i'm going to stay in new york to act are you trying to get stage did you think were you thinking of stage yeah i was th- at that point i was thinking of stage and we, we had started another group in uh at St. John's called the Jongleurs, which we're doing kind of physical theater, Commedia dell'arte, and, and that's when we did Waiting for Godot and in a very physical presentation of that show. And uh, I thought I wanted to do kind of very experimental theater. You know, that was the idea. So I then moved to the East Village, to East 6th Street, you know, and uh, near La Mama, and uh, did some theater at La Mama on East 4th Street. And, we had, and then we started a theater group called the Bond Street Theater Coalition in uh, 1977, doing very physical theater we would just pull up in a van in in central park jump out of the van set up do this kind of guerrilla theater pack up in the van and then just take off that's kind of and my whole idea was oh i never want to get paid for this i'm you know i'm an artist you know how would you find the guys you would do it with well these were guys we started a group together it started remember i said the name patrick sharada who played henry drummond my freshman year so then we stayed in touch all through high school because we had that summer group and then he went on to uh, he was about four years older so when i was in college he went on to teach at delphi i think it was so then i uh because we had made some money at st john's 
I hired him to direct. Okay. And then someone else to build the sets. So we stayed in touch, and then we started this group, Bond Street Theater Coalition, when I got out of college. Interestingly enough, I lost touch with them because then I decided I wanted to make a living doing this, and I wasn't going to do it there. But Bond Street is still functional now, thriving. They perform all over the world doing this this comedia it's like a comedia troupe they've been to afghanistan many many times they went to kosovo the day after the bombing uh, the bombing to to entertain the kids in the refugee camps they did this they entertained kids in afghanistan after the taliban kids who had never been entertained wow kids had never heard music kids had never had somebody make them laugh before they didn't even know how and you left. And, and that was a group you started that was a all group, those years ago. And I ago. thought it was gone. And then somehow through the internet, I saw it and I went through it. I, uh, yeah, I, my name came up as a founding member. And I thought I had no idea there was still Isn't that, is, that's one thing that's great about it. Like for a lot of the crap you go through the internet, the internet's so oh, good for stuff. Man. I mean, it's like I do that with like, let's say even Facebook. The guest right. earlier well, was a guy I'm here. from my home. Yeah. But I'm here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's the, you find people. And then you just find people that, you haven't seen forever, and you yeah. go, wow. And sometimes like, I'll sit there, and I have a weird memory, but I'll be in, be in bed, and I'll sit there, and I'm about to fall asleep. I'm like, I wonder what ever happened to such and such. Right. Then I, I always get up and look, because if you forget, I always, because <laughs> right. I have my bed next to me, because my girlfriend always right. go, she's like, what are you doing? I go, I'm looking I'm up look- something, because because I turn over to the bed. Right, I, I, put it, I put it face down, <laughs> right. so it doesn't, because emails, my emails come through all night right. on the phone, mm-hmm. so I put it face down so it doesn't light up. And of course, hers is going, boop. But you get up and you and you find people and you go wow yeah. or like with like with guests like you or anyone I can watch TV as soon as I see an actor I go okay wait what is that per- I got to think of the person's name so I always IMDb let's right. say you were whatever show you're on we'll go through that list in a second yeah we'll go yeah there's been a ton of them so it's like this I go oh okay then I go all right then I go I wonder if he's on Facebook then you do the Google search right 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 Twitter people usually don't respond right you responded to Facebook and then Twitter but I did both right right and but because tweeting is weird like you know some people respond but it's it's so but on Facebook what sucks though is like yours, you know, you're friends with certain people that I know have been on the show. But with Facebook, sometimes it's like a fan page. And, yeah. you, and you're not contacting the person. You don't know who you're con- It might be some weirdo who says, oh, well, uh, I'll do I'm your so, show. Right, and then right. they'll come up and I'll go, you're, you're, not, you're not that guy. Then what <laughs> right. am I going to do? Right. So, so okay, so you're, you're, you left the Bond Street. You're in New York. Right. And you say, I want to get paid for it. Right. So what do you do? I starved. But so you stayed in New York? I stayed in New York for quite a period of time. I was working in a liquor store at the time. And, uh, you know, like I said, we had done some plays at La Mama and that. But I thought, you know, I started to try to get an agent, try to get a commercial agent and that kind of thing. And I wasn't really hitting at all uh, with that kind of stuff. You know, Schaefer beer commercial or something, you know. And, uh, it's the one kind of beer when you're having more that, than one. That is the one when you're having more than one. This was, uh, you're having fun in Schaefer Which City. You, I did, was, you, did, you did a Schaefer commercial? It was a Schaefer City commercial. Wow. It was a, Aha, but uh, there's something Schaefer said. That's so cool. I don't think they make that anymore. And they used these come in those big cases. Well, yeah. And, well, also, I remember there was a big hubbub about our particular commercial because they, are we allowed to curse on this? Uh, just not the F word. Okay. We, we looked, they thought we looked too shit-faced in okay. the commercial. Like, were we, you guys drunk? Uh, no, no. But they just thought we were having too much fun in the commercial. And I remember some, one newspaper did a whole article about, this is really bad. It looks like these guys uh, are having are way too drunk. It's beer. Of course, it's, that's what you buy it for. The whole show is us. We walk in with pizza, <laughs> drinking beers. It's a bunch of guys sitting on a couch watching a football game, drinking beer. So, yeah. I, and we, I guess we look like we're having too much fun. Which is this, the tagline? The tagline, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so you get you're getting these commercials. I'm not these commercials. I got one commercial. No, <laughs> you must have been happy though. It's like wow, I'm oh, it was paid. great just to see because you know I'm, I, I, you know I remember. So then, 
you know, I kept saying, I'm an actor, I'm an actor, I'm an actor. And there was a girl I had this m- mad crush on. It all comes back to the girls. Doesn't oh, yeah, it always yeah. does. It always so does. Um, I, she said, well, you're not really an actor. I said, I am. She said, well, are you studying? I said, no, I've studied before. She said, if you were an actor, you'd still be studying. So I said, oh, all right. So I had gone to the neighborhood playhouse previously. So I called my old teacher there. And uh, he wasn't starting a class, but he suggested somebody else. So then I went and I, boom, I went and started studying a- again with uh, some actors, t- teachers from the neighborhood playhouse, Fred Caraman and Wynne Hanman. And then there I m- met another woman. And uh, when I remember, I, we went out for drinks with the class after on a Monday night. And we walk into the bar and I was so excited because my Schaefer beer commercial came on just okay. as we walked in and everybody said, oh, there's Ray. And I was like, it turns out she had been a model and probably had been on 500 commercials. <laughs> <So> <laughs> was not very impressed, but we did, uh, we did end up moving out to California together and she had already lived out here and was a little more uh, established as a, as a model and an actress. So um, then I moved out here and it took me a while and then I just started getting little parts, little parts, little was parts. It hard, was it a hard uh, move? Because you probably had never been out here before. No, I came out here as like a three-month sublet, okay. you know, and uh, nothing happened. I went back to New York and came back out here again, and I'd get like a little tiny part on something, and then you get your first guest star part, and you just keep building, you know? Do you remember your first... Uh, first? My first... Yes, I will. I'll tell you what it was. It was, it was still in New York. Um, it was a movie of the week called Muggable Mary. And you were the hospital security guard. Oh, man, you must have the IMDb I do. page open. Because <laughs> if you remembered me from that, yeah, okay. I'd be a little worried about you. Yeah, you'd be like, this, this guy's a stalker. Yeah, he's been stalking he's, me he's, since This isn't even a real radio show. This is, like, this, really? like, he's probably has, like, mirrors and shit. But it's good. It really looks, it looks real. I know, For you good. listeners, it really does look like I have a radio. A, I, have a, I have a prop guy that does it, you know. So, no, so, so you got, that was your first part. Well, it, you know, it's so interesting. I mean, it all comes together. Um, when I auditioned for that, they had me audition about five times for the part of a... Uh, one of the cops, you know, and I was kind of young, but they had me keep coming back, keep coming back, keep coming back. And then I didn't get the part. And they said, would you like to play? Uh, you know, we'd like you to play another part. And I said, oh, would you send me the script? And they said, well, we don't really need to send you the script. We can give you your line over the phone. Okay. So they, they told me my line was, um, you can't park your car there. So the scene is Karen Valentine pulls up. Her Karen son. Valentine, yeah. room 222. Oh, I was so crazed. You know, right, room two, I was, you know, very excited to be working with Karen Valentine. So I get there, and they make me change in a, in a trailer, not even my own room. I put on the security guard outfit, and uh, I'm all ready to go, and I'm going to meet Karen Valentine. I was living with a girl at the time, and I told, listen, you know, we'll probably have lunch. I'll probably have lunch with Karen Valentine, you know. <laughs> yeah, so a, don't expect me home, you know. And she's, no, that's fine. You do that. That's great. You should, you know. So I get there at like eight, whatever time, and I get up there, and, they, and the car pulls up. They said, okay, now, Ray, when the car pulls up, you just go up to the car and you say, you can't park your car there. So the car pulls up. It's a stunt woman. Karen Valentine's not even there. They're shooting from the outside. It's a double just driving the car up. And, of course, if you watch the movie, this is what you'll hear me say. Hey, 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 you can't park your car there. So I turned it into like almost a mini series. You improv. Yeah, I did. I kind of. But they didn't. Did you do one take? No, that was it. One take. I was home by 830 in the morning, having never met Karen Valentine. So that was in New York. So, so when you moved to LA, I yeah. see like you know, Falcon Crest and stuff. Was that your, oh. what was your first? What was your first TV role out in LA? I think it was Falcon Crest. I think I played a waiter. Now, I don't even know what I. It think. says yeah, it says a waiter. But now one thing is, uh, 
that show is huge. Yeah. Like, like someone, because Paul was on that show. No, well, Paul was on Knott's Landing. No. He was on one of those. Yeah, but he said back then, because it wasn't a lot of TV, like that show got like 14 million viewers. Yeah. And it was still ranked like eighth. Yeah, you know? yeah, right. Because it was different. So so you get this. Now, you must be excited because you're in LA. It was, it's your first gig. Yeah, but it was really, again, just one line. Okay. And I think the yeah, I think it was with, uh, I don't remember who. I don't remember who was in the scene. Um, yeah, no, it was just to be on a set. You know, I remember them saying you hit your mark. You, I didn't even know what these terms meant. You know, it's you, you come out, you know, learn how to act on a stage, but then there's a whole terminology doing television that you didn't know. Um, yeah, so it just started with small parts like that. So you're all, and you're gonna, of course, you're auditioning. And you're well, all, I'm trying to audition. Yeah. You try to get an agent. I did. Uh, I did a play out here when I first got out here called uh, Vespers Eve. Now, how did you get cast in that? Did you just hear so, about uh, it? No, I think I read on backstage. I think okay. I just auditioned from backstage. It was for uh, Vespers Eve. Was written by a New York playwright who I was familiar with, uh, Louis Larusso. Uh, he had written a play called um, Marlon Brando sat right here, which I had seen many times in New York. So I really. Doug is writing, and he was doing this play out here, a new play. So I auditioned, and uh, I didn't get it, but they made me the understudy of uh, the lead playing Lucky Luciano. So eventually I went on as Lucky Luciano, which is the, the lead in the, in the play, and I had people come from uh, ICM. Agent from ICM came, and a manager. And that night, they said they wanted to sign me. Okay. So uh, the next day I met them for lunch, and I thought, well... I'm Karen Valentine. I'm setting a Karen Valentine. <laughs> I think she might have been with ICM yeah. at the time. But they signed me, and it was very nice. Uh, nothing happened. I sat for a year, two well, years. I think, and I think that happens. And for the people out there that are, you know, are new to Hollywood or whatever, it's it's always not so great to be with a big agency mm -hmm. if, if if you're not pulling the juice. I mean, if, if you're not if, if you're not if you have no juice, I, hadn't, I didn't it. even have a credit. My credit. Right. I had Falcon one day on you know, one scene on Falcon Crest and Muggable Mary. Hey, yeah. hey, hey, hey! You can't exactly. park your car. But yeah, so people don't understand that they're, they're not going to sit there and go, "Well, I can send this guy out for a, when I can send this person out for a series." Right. So right. You, you were with them for a year, and you. Uh, yeah, and you, I, but I kept thinking, "Where am I going to go? There's no place else I should go. I'm right. with ICM. Where am I going to go?" So then finally they dropped me. And it was kind of sad. The, I remember the agent. It was Iris Grossman, uh, who went on to do great things. But we, we, she was actually crying. You know, it's like that she couldn't have done anything for me at that moment because she did believe in me. But I had no credits. And right. She couldn't get me in the door. So then I, uh, I somehow I don't remember how a friend of a friend got me to another agent, and um, the first thing they sent me on was L.A. Law. And I booked a recurring role on L.A. Law. And that's kind of how things was that opened up from Was that early there. of L.A. Law? Because season, I think it was uh, season two. You know what's amazing about L.A. Law? And, and it always cracks me up because, you know, I, you flip around the TV and I have yeah. so many damn channels. Right. And, and, but you never find the old episodes no. of L.A. Law. L.A. Law does not really. That and Barney Miller. Barney Miller's, you know, Barney Miller's my favorite all-time. I love that show. My favorite all-time sitcom. So funny. Steve Landisberg was amazing. Uh, um, everybody, but all the guest stars that would come yeah. on that show. And yeah. it was like a it, it was like a, um, a theater troupe because you'd bring they'd bring the same guys yeah. on as different characters. And it was very dry. Oh, very my old. God. But you don't find it, and you don't find L.A. Law. And it's so funny because so many kids out there, you know, who watch TV, you know, not kids, but even like people in their 20s, yeah. you know, they have no idea. And L.A. Law, back then, it was like... It was groundbreaking. It was like, and it made it cool to be like... It was like, you know, like Corbin Burns and they were like rock stars. Do you know that Harry Hamlin, they were like... They would get, those people would then do the commencement speak, speeches at law schools. 
And oh, really? Yeah, and enrollment in law schools after the first couple of years of L.A. Law actually rose because of L.A. Law. Well, it's funny because I think about, like, because I like the show Psych and Cormac Bernstein's on right. that. Right. But okay. people probably don't know, like, there's this old Seinfeld episode where it's uh, Cormac Bernstein and George Wendt are the guests on the Tonight oh, Show. I, in the elevator. Yeah. Right. Well, people probably don't, they know who... George Wins. Those but, people don't probably think, well, what's the what, guy from Psycho? Because they don't even know, because oh, you don't find it anywhere. Right, right. So, so how many, so you got, and I saw you, you were Anthony Gianelli. Yeah, that was a, it was a great role. I was a, an were you a lawyer? I was an associate in the firm that was having trouble passing the bar. That okay. was the storyline. And um, if I failed the third time, the deal was that I'd have to go back into the family business because they weren't going to give me another shot. So uh, I failed the third time. And I say, I have to go back into family business. I'm the only one that could run it now. My brother's been incapacitated. He can't take it. You know, so it all builds up. And finally, uh, Michelle Green was the actress. And uh, it was also Blair Underwood. It introduced Blair, yeah, Blair Underwood. Underwood. Yeah, Because we were both, as, and Kim Delaney. The three, I didn't know Kim Delaney was in it. The three of us were the, were the new associates okay, that I didn't year. know she was in it. I remember and they Blair knew Underwood. That, and Blair Underwood was going to stay, but somehow she and I were going to leave. But... Um, so the storyline was that if I failed the bar, I'd leave. So you thought that I was going to be in the mafia, right? Because you know I got to right. I got to go back into the family business, and you know I'm the only one that can take over. My brother can't do it anymore. He was uh, incapacitated. So then it, it, she says, "You can't be in the mafia." I said, "The mafia." It turns out I'm in the Flying Gianellis. Okay, <laughs> it's a family of circus performers get shot out of a cannon. And uh, actually, then there was another episode that brought my character back where I needed representation because I got shot out of cannon and landed on some guy and he was suing me. How many episodes <laughs> did you do? I think I did five episodes. Now, did people start to recognize you? That was really, because the show was really Huge. Hot. It was like Huge. the number one show at the time. And I had a beautiful storyline and it was very unique and it was funny. And uh, it, that really did change things because from then on I was able, I got Dynasty directly as a result of L.A. Law. Now, Dynasty, also a very big show, mm -hmm. um, and I see you were a, a sergeant. Sergeant, yeah. And unbelievable, you always play an Italian guy. I play, the, yeah, no, you'll, you'll see, you'll, as you go down, what you, this is still early. Zarelli? Okay, no, we'll go down. But no, so you, so you, you got that role, uh, mm -hmm. Dynasty. Now, you're, this funny thing then is, you're, you're getting on these big shows, because yeah. I also saw you went on to do Night Court, which right. is also was a great, great show. You know, was it different because you go from you know Dynasty and then you go into a comedy? I mean, was how did you do the transition? Was it because you? I know you had the stage background, so right. you did a lot of different roles. Yeah, that 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 came very easy to me. But doing a sitcom was uh, was challenging, especially my very first Night Court. I don't remember how many I did five, seven, something like that. I don't remember how many. And your character was uh, um, what, Gianelli. What did you play? I, I played an undercover cop. Okay, who. Um, the love interest of Marky Post. Okay. And we ended up on the show later getting married and divorced. We had, you know, a, a run right. of a relationship. But, you know, I was an undercover, like a Serpico kind of cop. Okay. I had really long hair, a beard. Was it your real hair? Clothes. No, it was, it was my real hair. You know, it was, you know, late 80s. So, uh, um, I, the, the very first episode I shot, I had a huge, it was a very big, it was the big, big guest star part. And you walk on, you're doing that in front of a live audience. And it's, it's, the thing is, the audience already knows all the other characters so right. well. I mean, all John Larroquette had to do was raise an eyebrow, and the audience was going to laugh because he had this history. They knew him. So there's really a, that's where I really learned what a challenge guest starring is. Well, and, yeah, and I think also and what I've gotten from actors that have been on here, um, it's, 
they want to welcome you, but it's sort of like you're going to someone's family's house. You it's like are. meeting. Like, it's like going for Christmas for the first time with your girlfriend's family. Right. They want. They they're there. They to want to accept, you, but, but they're watching. You. Yeah, and they're sitting there going, and they know. Yeah, so you can, them, they don't know you. The is girl he going to use the right fork? What right. Is he gonna, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true, though. It's very challenging, and the you know I've guest starred on uh, I don't know how many shows, but the point the thing is each one is different. There's a different vibe. You could walk on a set and. Uh, it just doesn't feel right, you know, and you wonder why. And you, usually it usually starts at the top, and then you walk on other sets. And I remember I did an episode of uh, NCIS about two years ago. And I walked on the set. I got there early, and everybody was smiling. You know, everybody was The crew happy. and everything. The crew, everybody was in a good mood. And then I'm thinking, what's going on? Why? What's, what's happening here? And then I meet Mark Harmon. And I realize it's all because he's just a of cool guy. He's a cool guy, and I sat. In, you know, I had a nice part, and then I had a guy who played my uh, my bodyguard who had like a one line or something. I'd be sitting talking to Mark Harmon. He'd call the guy over, give him his chair, come sit with us. He was just very open. I said, Mark, what's the deal with you? You're, he, everybody's so happy. He goes, you know what's the deal with him? I'll tell you something. Go he's ahead. a great-looking guy, and he played quarterback in college football for UCLA. He's had a charm life. He, he has nothing to be pissed about. That, but you know what? They're all not like that. I but know. He You're is right, like he that. is, because he's, 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 he's awesome. Said, he says, I know how lucky I am. This show's in the top three every week. All of these people have jobs. We're all working. My kids are taken care of. I'm sending my kids to college. My grandkids will be able to go to college. Right. Why should I come to work bitter? That's what I, and, I that, and that permeates all the way down to throughout the entire crew everybody loved going to work see that's what it, that's what it should be I mean it's like you know people who work you know they should be blessed they should know yeah. like actors you know so many people want to do that and when you hear people who get, are pissy or whatever it's like you know what I want to smack them if you oh, I'm sorry you're not getting and it's with athletes too yeah. I'm sorry you're not getting how many million right. but you're getting 8 million but right. you want 10 million but you, want, you know what go to hell because you know it's like, are you it's working like, in a coal mine exactly seriously are you, are you, are you, are you at a toll booth yeah when you can sit there and go oh I want it's like really do you if you're making 8 million do you really need that right. extra million and a right. half no you'll get that from licensing and franchising you'll get it yeah. it's crazy yeah nobody's gonna suck so now you also you were in the practice yeah the practice was a great that you know the well, David Kelly is a, is a, is a, is a great, uh, he's a prolific writer. He's a pro, you know, at that point, when I was on the practice, he was writing the practice, Ally McBeal, and Boston Public. See, that's he just, was writing them all, and he writes them longhand on a legal pad. Really? Yeah. And I heard it's like, pretty much only like him. I mean, it, like, it's, well, he had a writing crew, but he but would he, write, he would, you know, they would tune it up, but he would just longhand on every night. And he's married to Michelle Pfeiffer. I know, that's the thing. It's You'd like, think that would be, a, you know, that would be enough for me. I'd say, okay, I'm done. Um, yeah, but see, I was on the practice because of, he was a writer on L.A. Law. Okay. That was his first, and I think he his first you? TV job. Yeah, well, he brought over a lot of the producers from L.A. Law were on uh, on the, the practice, so they remembered me. I still had to audition, but, you know, when you walk in a room and you know the people. Another show you don't see a lot on. Uh, it's not on at all. And it's a great show, and too. And I did about 50 episodes I'd like them to rerun. Yeah, no, that's because it's on me and my girlfriend just talking about What was about my character's it? name on it? Uh, I'll, I'll You're going to look in a second. I will tell you. Because it's uh, going gonna, gonna to blow your theory. You're Irish. Irish, Irish. Detective Michael McGuire. I played McGu Detective Michael McGuire. Did you put an accent on No. No. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. That wouldn't, that wouldn't be right. But no, you bought it for a second. But though. yeah, I did. For, you yeah. never know. No. But no, because it's funny because we were talking about it the other night because we watched uh, that show Hostages and uh, with right. Dylan McDermott. Oh, right, right. Who was on the, on the office. Dylan McDermott and Dylan McRooney. No, he's Dylan. Dylan I'm kidding. That's, I'm no, kidding. Yeah, that, was, that, was, that, that was actually in a campaign. Oh, was uh, it? The movie goes, I'm Dylan I'm uh, oh, Dermot right. McRoney. <laughs> right, right. But um, no, it's uh, that was also just a great, great show. And yeah. it was it was different. And uh, 
And it's another show you, they don't see. It's like I don't get Nick. And it had terrific actors on it. Yeah, too. yeah. I mean, Lisa Gay, uh, uh, Lisa Gay Harden. Harden, terrific, terrific actress. Went on to do great things in Beloved and some other. She has a new movie out that's supposedly spectacular. You know, um, and Cameron Manheim and Michael Bataluco, who I worked with later on uh, a Law and Order in New York. But um, but now with that show, now you said you were on a bunch of episodes. I did. I think almost fifty. Now. You know, you, you, you're on all these popular shows. Now, do people recognize, because you have a distinct look, do people recognize you or do you, I mean, especially when like The Practice, because you know people, Practice is like one of those shows that the people that watch it are smart and yep. they watch and they, they suck it up and they sit there, they, they, they're, they're observant. They're not the same people who watch Family Matters. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? So would, did people start recognizing you? Yeah, people start, you know, I first got recognized back on L.A. Law. Because okay. that was a very. Now what was that like? Because you're. Well, it was great. I remember the very first time I, it, it happened. I was. Uh, I had to. I was doing a play. Uh, I had just finished a play, so I was meeting the guys that I did the play with. One guy was John Aprea, who was actually in the uh, the Godfather. Okay. He played the young Tessio, the uh, right. Fagoto role as a young. I love it. Young. Oh yeah, but this is the young. Right. He's like, and these sensational looking guys. One of the handsomest men in the world, and I'd always say to him, you know. You may think you're handsome now, but Francis Ford Coppola thinks you can end up looking like a pagoda. So <laughs> <laughs> don't let it go to your head. So I had I had just done the L.A. Laws had just aired, and I had to rent a car for some reason, and my car was in an accident or something. So uh, you notice how I, my car was in an accident. Had nothing you are now. No, no, actually, I think it was hit when it was parked. But anyway, so I rented a car, and the guy behind the booth recognized me. And it was the first time I'd ever been recognized. So I go to meet my friends for lunch, and I'm telling them we're in a Thai restaurant on Vine and Hollywood Boulevard, where we used to eat when we were doing a play. So I, there's two guys. So I'm saying, oh, man, I got recognized this morning. They're saying, you're full of it. You didn't get I swear to God, man, I was at the rent-a-car place, and the guy said, hey, you're Gianelli from, from L.A. Law. Yes, I am, you know. So, he, you know, I got a nice car, and my friend said, you're full of it. You didn't get recognized. Just as I, they say that, these two women... The only other two women in the Thai restaurant walk over and they say, excuse me, but we just came to Hollywood. Today's our first day and you're our first big star. Could we have wow. your autograph? So my friends can't believe it. They're so like, I'm, what the so hell? I'm like puffed up and I'm start signing. And the woman says, I can't believe I'm meeting Vinnie Barbarino. <laughs> Oh my God! See now you just now that sucks. That's a true story. But no, but it sucks for you because your friends. You oh, probably okay. give it to you. Hell, still to stay this day. still to this oh, day. Yeah. To the, but it doesn't end. That's gone on. I was on the. You know, of course I was on the Sopranos. We were going to get to yeah, that. Yeah, we yeah. Because well, I love this. Because because uh, the guy who was just on uh, earlier, Ben Lippitz, was on an episode of oh, the yeah? Sopranos. But you, he his his role got. Uh, written out he was supposed to, they'd shot it at Monmouth Park he was supposed to be this construction guy or something right. I don't know but yeah, he was yeah. talking but so, so no, who knows you said who do people get you confused with well that was Vinnie Barbarino but then I'm with a bunch of my high school friends in New York uh, just a few years ago and you know the Sopranos in New York you just walk down the street and people just yell hey little Carmine you know they know your line how many, how many uh, episodes are you on I think I did 17, 18 or something. It was it's over funny, four seasons. But it was a, it was a, the character was kind of, you know, a focal point. It was well, a, yeah, I remember yeah. I was watching yeah. it. It's funny because my, uh, my brother and his uh, wife passed away, but they were friends oh. with um, the wardrobe designer named Julia. Oh, Kroska. she's the best. And my, the best. my little niece, Lauren, used to go on the set. Oh, and, is that right? And uh, Polly Walnuts would always joke around with her. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And they actually had, they had Thanksgiving dinner one night. My brother calls me. This is how my brother. He's, they have a little. They live in Midtown Manhattan. Mm -hmm. They have a little house up in the. They had a little house up in the Catskills. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, 
having Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, some guy here knows you. I guess some guy I went to college with. Right. Like, who else are you having dinner with? Oh, Edie Falco. And I'm like, oh, you don't oh, say that. You say uh, some guy yeah, I went to college yeah. with. You know, it's like this guy he did some girl wardrobe and Julie. <laughs> but no, so yeah, she was in that. And it, so the, the so you were on a Sopranos. Right. So, so I'm I'm at a Chinese restaurant. With my friends on the, on Columbus Avenue and. Uh, at that point, I'm getting recognized a lot from the New York. it's so and big. It's huge. And in New York. And, and in New York. So, uh, I'm, so I see these two really cute young girls, and they just keep looking over, looking over, looking over. But I don't say anything. And all of a sudden, they get up, and instead of going to the door, they start walking towards our table. So I say to my friends, um, watch this. So they come over, and they say, don't we know you? And I say, yeah, you, you probably do. You work at the hardware store in 70s. <laughs> Oh, no, man. I don't. We didn't just buy paint from you yesterday on 72nd Street. No. Oh, we're sorry. We thought you were the paint guy on 72nd Street. That's funny. That's another. So, these are with the same, you know, my friends. These you're, are the you're, guys you're, I grew you're, up you're, with. You have a no, whole I, life of ball busting ahead I, of you. I, I, you know, or you'll you're, go to. My worst is when you're at a bar or you're just sitting at a place and there's a gorgeous girl sitting next to you and the bartender's there. Nothing, nothing, nothing. The girl gets up to go to the restroom and the bartender says, I didn't want to say anything, but you were on The Sopranos, right? Like, Why did you wait till the. Why? Why? I didn't want to embarrass you. I, the reason I'm doing this is for that moment. Exactly. And you wait till she leaves. So now, now you, when you you the practice shot out in L.A. Shot in L.A. Yeah. So now, when you do the Sopranos, now mm-hmm. now what season did you go on the Sopranos? See, I started in season four and went okay. to the end. Yeah. So it was it was a hot show when yeah. you moved. Oh, it was huge. Now, yeah. how did that come apart? Because that's 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 like as an actor. Plus, because first of all, the cast was so great. As an actor, it must be like it, heaven. It was well. It's, first of all, they asked me. Um, since I was living out here, you know, they cast that com- just about completely in New York, but they wanted me to read for a part of the guy that did the intervention with Michael, the drug intervention, a one-scene part. It was a great part. So I read for that. I had to put myself on tape. And in those days, he actually shot on, on, on a disc, and then you had to put it on a VHS. You had to send it to them on VHS. So I managed to do that, and um, I sent it to them. I didn't get the part. They said they, they liked you, but not for this. So I thought, oh, great. The following week, they called again and said, they want you to read for the part of Little Carmine. And I read it, and it said, Little Carmine, anything but little, upwards of 350 pounds, with going. a twitching eye, sweating profusely. And I thought, well, there's no way I'm getting this right. part right now. I called my agent. I said, this must be a mistake. They said, no, David Chase wants you to read for this part. So uh, I put myself on tape again. I had to get it to the, the FedEx guy by 4 o'clock because they needed it in that morning. And I had to... You know, work the remote control on the camera, bar the camera, transfer it to VHS, and then get it to the thing, and uh, I, I got the part. They cast me completely off the tape, having never met anybody on the show. So now, when you got the part, mm-hmm. how many? How often would you shoot an episode? Did you have to move back to New York? Or did well, you... at first it was only supposed to be maybe two episodes. Okay, so you would so just go th- back and so stay. yeah, they 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 flew me in, they put me up at a hotel, and uh, I'd shoot and then fly back. Yeah, and uh, and then. The character became, they used him more, and then they wanted me to move to, uh, to they made a deal for the fifth season that I'd have to move to New York. So uh, so they said, <laughs> this is a good story. So they asked me to move to New York. They said, we're going to start shooting on April 15th. So I thought, all right, I'll get an apartment in New York on April 1st. You know, I'll get acclimated because I'm going to be on a big TV series now. I'm a regular. They're making right. me a regular name up front in those cool opening credits. Right? I love. I love that. Oh, I love the, the first credits. time I saw my name go across the screen on the New Jersey that, Turnpike by the by the drive safely water oh, tower. See, my name shoots. See, that's it's so funny because it's funny because I, I lived grew up in Cherry Hill, but right. I lived I lived in Nutley for a while. Oh, which right. was, you know, they used the Nutley a lot. Yeah, yeah. and I, it's funny because I, I substitute taught there, and every kid was Italian in Nutley. Right, and so right. I always made the Sopranos. Right. But no, I was saying the beginning of the Sopranos is such a great opening oh. credits. It's that. And my other favorite now is uh, 
is a boardwalk empire. So oh, it's another great, great one. Yeah. But they're both HBO, so it right. makes sense. Right. So you see your name, so you got to be stoked. That's uh, very stoked. So they asked me to- but Every the, girl, every girl who ever dumped you yeah. was like, what the hell? Well, first of all, you're assuming any girl oh, yeah. ever dumped me. <laughs> Every okay. girl you dumped, right, they're like, that jerk dumped me. They're saying to their fat <laughs> husband, better. that dick, no. dirt, that guy, no. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that, it was all, that's what beauty of Facebook is once you're studying that kind of thing. You, everybody finds you, which is great. Um, so uh, I moved to New York on April 1st. I found an apartment, more money than I should have spent. But I thought, you know, I'm on a series. So then they tell me, well, we're not going to start April 15th. We're going to start, you know, May 15th. So now I'm already there. Six weeks. Oh, you, we're can't, not gonna, you can't take another no, job. No, we're not going to start May 15th. We're going to start June 1st. So they don't start for like two months. So, so now you're not I'm, working. No, yet. I'm not working, and I'm spending way too much money. I'm keeping my apartment here because I knew it was going to be short-lived. So uh, they don't use me. So then I'm not in the first episode. I'm not in the second episode. And, I'm not, and I don't get paid till I start working. So now it's like towards the end of the summer. And they say, you know, all right, Ray, we finally got an episode for you. It's a nice big episode. Great. It shoots in L.A. Oh, no, really? They had to fly. It was the scenes with Ben Kingsley, and we shot at the Viceroy Hotel. They had to fly me back to L.A. after sitting in New York for months to stay at the Viceroy Hotel in Santa Monica. It's like, it's like Scott. It's like, you know, it's... But you know what? I was on the, you know, it, now it's very funny. That those months of the hot summer of not crazy, working. Yeah. And the, obviously I see the money. I'm like hemorrhaging money, you know, because I know eventually it's going to come in, hopefully. You know, like they could kill me off in the first right, day, right away, you know. And it was just a big joke. And David, this will be funny. We'll make a move here. And we'll exactly. Up, you know? it's, it's, a rea- it's a reality show. <laughs> it is like a reality <laughs> Ray Bruzzo. We, we screw with him. Yeah. Screw with the Sopranos. If you don't think I've thought my life has been like that, that's um, true. Okay, well, I can ask you because I had a guest who was also was on the Sopranos. Louis Lombardi was Oh, yeah, Sopranos. right, right. And he just said the fans that watch it are just uh, so fanatical and just, but they're the New York, hey, you, like, hmm. like what's some of the stuff you went through? Well, you know, my character was kind of perceived as not being very tough. You know, at first, my cousins and everything were very excited that I was on The Sopranos. But then my character kept backing out of going to war with Johnny Sack, you know, because I was right. I was taking over the New York family, you know, so I had all that power. And I kept hedging and not wanting to go to war. So I found they kind of would now distance themselves from knowing me because my character, like, because yeah. <laughs> I didn't whack anybody, I didn't hit anybody over there with a baseball bat. That my character was kind of trying to avoid conflict. So uh, there, there was that aspect. But you know, New York, New York, New Jersey, you travel around. I mean, people literally they'll just yell your lines. They know your lines. Isn't that must be cool? I mean, as an actor, I mean, I think it's like it's like this. I know sometimes you know the people will say. Oh, it's a pain when you're trying to eat and someone comes up to you. But the thing is, that means they, they, you've affected them somehow. I got an email from a, not an email, a message from a young comic I know. Mm-hmm. I don't really know I'm that good. He said, Oh, man, I've been listening to your show. I love it. I meant the world to me. Yeah. I sent him back and said, Thanks, man. I said, You know, because that means I'm doing, you know. And you're not doing it in a vacuum. Right. You know, when finally, when finally it, you wonder, is it what you're doing? Is it making it? Is anybody seeing yeah. it? Do you know? And you make, you, does it make a difference? And I get people, and it's funny, people I went to college with, they're like, Yeah, yeah man, we're, we got, we're, we're listening to your show. I'm like, yeah. Oh, cool. Because they always like, I Name some guys who went to college with right, right. Yeah, my friend Stuart Rosenthal. Oh, so they get a kick no, out of he, he goes, Oh, you mentioned Paul <laughs> Valenti. Now I get an email from Stuart. Going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I heard you mention me again and Valenti and Bennett and Frank. I'm going to mention some old girlfriends I like to find out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, 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 was it, it's almost fanatical though, right? With the fans, where they just, yeah, like, they do, they, they are, they're very into it. But, you know, everybody just loves the show, you know, the, so, you know, it's all good. I mean, now, well, I heard it was very, I heard Gandolfini was a real nice guy. Yeah, he was a, he was a terrific, terrific guy. Um, 
extremely warm, extremely generous. Uh, you know, you talk, we talked about the, um, Mark Harmon, you know, that show was on, Sopranos was on Gandolfini's shoulders, and the whole network was on Gandolfini's right. shoulders, you know. And uh, there was a lot of pressure, and it wasn't within his comfort zone to be a big star, you know, and to carry a show. He was a character actor, you know, but he approached that role as a character actor that just happened to be the lead in the series. Um, and he was just a working actor, and I think uh, he appreciated everybody on the set the same way he wanted to be appreciated when he's was struggling and it was always like that he had a great amount of respect for every every tech person every prop person makeup person everybody loved him you know at the funeral everybody came out and uh did you go oh i did i flew back for it yeah it was one of the most moving days aside from losing an immediate family member i don't think i'll it's so weird with the whole thing and and, you know i mean i didn't know him but um it would just imagine how many people affected him. I remember when he passed away. I was uh, I was back east because I was I was going back for a year right. and a half to my girlfriend. I was doing a show, performing at um, the Parks Casino mm-hmm. in uh, in Ben Salem, Pennsylvania, and the MC when the show was about to start, I think the MC was going to go up and uh, check on my phone. I'm like, holy crap! And I, my girlfriend's a big soprano right. too. I'm like, James Gandolfini just died, and it was just weird because it's one of those things. You know, there's certain like if someone said Abe Vigoda died right. you'd sit there and go okay, okay you expect yeah. it right. but when you see that and even like with Paul Walker's uh, right. death recently it just it throws you for a loop you're like and for me because I just turned 50 again right. Finney's like two years older than right. me you right. know and, uh, he's younger than I am and I, yeah. I have a heart I mean I have a yeah. little heart condition and uh, it's just weird but when you sit there and it's like and it really impacted people because everyone everyone knew The Sopranos it did yeah and then the, that movie I heard he was just in with Julie oh Lewis, my right? is excellent God. I heard it's great not only is it great it, I couldn't go see it right away but once, just from the the trailer, when he's there's a scene in the trailer where he's just sitting on the stoop, laughing just quietly and nudging her and laughing. Uh, it's so much like him. the gym, you See, know. There's James Gandolfini in this gym. That movie is gym, and uh, it's you know I'm not going to pretend that we were very close friends. But, but you, you know, work you, with them. Oh, it's like, for five years, you know, for five years you're at any every event and you're you're on the set. And I had a lot of very you know one on one scenes with him, which is really an actor's dream because he was tremendously talented and gifted and warm and uh, wonderful to work off, man. He just he just gave you stuff that uh, you couldn't help but get a good swing at it. Just, yeah, so so, so you, The Sopranos is over. What season are you out? Did you I, went, I made it to the end. That was yeah, the very okay. last episode. Okay, and yeah. then that's it. Now, and I saw you were in plain sight. Yeah, know. I did a few of those. Now, that's shot in Albuquerque. That must have been like, <laughs> what's that like? Because you're, you're an L.A., New York guy, and you're uh, going to Albuquerque. Albuquerque. You know, it's so much fun. I met this guy, John Asher. He was guest starring on the episode as well, and we were online getting onto the plane. And I could tell he's probably an actor. And then there was a, a, a pretty woman who was there, and I thought, figured, okay, she, you know, you look through the, aud- the, the audience. You look through the people looking at the plane. Going to, who's going to who's Albuquerque? Going to Albuquerque? Yeah. And it's like, okay, he's probably going to be on this show. He's going to be on this show. That guy's probably going to go to shoot a Breaking Bad. But these two guys are probably going to do it in plain sight. So, of course, we all sit together in first class. And, it's, and I talked to John and, and the girl, Dahlia Salem, a very beautiful actress, and she's scared about flying. She's really terrified of flying. I, how are you on flying i'm fine i I, I used to be scared but then because i said you know in the last year and a half and now she's moved out here okay. i flew back east like 20 times yeah but i figured out what it was and, and, and you might agree with this i think the problem 
It's not that I think we get scared. It's it's the getting to the airport and did we did we pack enough stuff? And and then you sit there and once I'm on a plane, I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. And then the anxiety leading yeah, up to it. And yeah. then once so once I was going back and I knew we were going to mm-hmm. relationship, I had like a winter wardrobe back there. Right. So I oh, would just right. I would just get on with my bag. I, I would just I would go with a bag. I take yeah. a little shuttle. Get out. I'm like eh, just, just get me get the plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I, flying back and forth and I'd go out of the Burbank Airport. Yeah. You know it's easy to park. You I love the Burbank Airport, but the problem was is they uh. They just the prices went up like well I'm going, I'm going back to when I was going okay. back and forth to the Sopranos the last the last year Burbank's uh, great you can, you can get there ten minutes before your flight yeah, you walk great you walk in it was like you, know, you walk on the tarmac up to the plane yeah, like you're in some small it's, town. yeah it's, it's awesome <laughs> it was great but uh, so we're flying to Albuquerque and she's frightened and she's sitting next to me and John Asher's across the aisle from me and we were all just meeting but she literally can't open her eyes you know she's okay. so scared so we're going we're starting to come down into Albuquerque and all of a sudden the whole plane goes woof does this big dip and I see a shadow and John looks out his window and a FedEx plane had flown right over us. He could see the pilot really in the window. She's digging her nails, breaking skin on my hand. Ne- we never we never told her what happened, but we saw this plane just made it. So John and I so we end up in Albuquerque. There's nothing to do in Albuquerque. I guess yeah there's I mean it's there's not yeah. So I'm not a big drinker. <clears throat> I drank. <laughs> you know, so, so we had some fun, and John Ashford and I became very fast friends, uh, and we ended up doing a, a, a really cool film together. I'll tell you about later. Yeah, what, uh, well, I, I saw you were on Mad Men. Yeah, I did do Mad Men as well. Now, what? Because once again, that's another like a Iconic Sopranos. Show, it's, yeah. it's like, and I love Mad Men. I yeah. started watching it late, and uh, but I've, I'm all caught up. And um, once again, it's just I, I always. Uh, mentioned that you know it's so what's so funny about that show is when you break it down don draper's just a dick yeah he's a womanizing cheating identity thief well, drunk it's you know it's not like uh, gandolfini or tony soprano was mother Teresa. right yeah, but no, <laughs> but no but tony but he, you knew he was a mobster he, right. he's not he's not hiding that right madman i'm an executive and it's like no you're you're not even don draper but that's the whole point of the sopranos Right. You know, it's like in The Godfather, you know, we're part of the same hypocrisy. Right, Senator, right. You know, so, you know, that because the last episode of The Sopranos is called Made in America, you know, and, and the whole point was that all of this is what America is, you know, to, to different uh, d- degrees. But, uh, you know... Tony Soprano did set the mold for that kind of character. Oh, yeah. Like Even Brian Cranston in no, Breaking Bad. None they're, of those characters would have been. They're villains you like. And none of that would have been made possible You're right. before Tony Soprano. And, yeah. so, and so, Gandolfini's ability to make you somehow, but that was the genius of David Chase to give us the the shrink, to start out with the shrink, so right. we know that this guy is dealing and trying to confront these devils. Oh, it was brilliant. That was, brilliant. That was brilliant. The, you know, yeah, that was the genius. So, so what was it like, because Mad Men, once again, is a, a popular show. Yeah, I didn't have a big part on it. It was a running role, but, um, you know, again, uh, Matt Weiner right. was a writer on The Sopranos. So he knew So you. he started... He started uh, the same season I did on The Sopranos, and he wrote one of the great episodes called "Luxury Lounge" of The Sopranos, which was that big episode I was telling you about that we shot out here, right? With and you know, I, with, with Ben Kingsley and Lauren Bacall, you know. So it's just a, an amazingly memorable day. Of I gotta shoot. start. You know, I have to go back and start watching that from the beginning. And I, I, I don't. I don't. I think it's, is it on, if it's on Netflix, I'm gonna start doing that. It's definitely on Netflix, but it's also on HBO. They just they run it at eight o'clock, and they run through every night. They do the whole series and then I, they start again. See, I like, it just started. They're on about this, the, maybe the end of the first season now. See, that might, might be on demand because I, I like to do yeah, that. Yeah. I, catch, I did that with a wire. Yeah, I got everything yeah. caught up. Right. It's really worth watching again. I just recently, after Jim died, I recently watched him again for some, I don't know, just 
some kind of comfort level. But the, I was just really amazed at how rich the writing was and how textured and the performances. And down to, you talked about Juliet before in the wardrobe. You know, everybody thinks that the wardrobe was just this New Jersey mobster thing. But she brought something to it. Every character had something that was right. A, that was in my character wore cowboy boots and a cowboy belt. Right, I'm a mobster in New, in New York, and she has me wearing a cowboy belt. And, and no one questioned that it. was a David Chase idea. And uh, no, they. I remember the first time they they put me in. I was thinking, what's this about? And then I f- figured out what he was trying to do. It was brilliant. I'm not going to tell you, but uh, it's those were just the little touches that gave a texture to the show that you might not even be aware of but the more you watch it it just you could just get back. deeper and deeper and deeper it yeah it's yeah it's shakespearean in scope i think now what you said the movie you were the john asher what, what, what was that okay so john and asher and i become really good friends he sounds so familiar is well, he a younger or older guy he he looks younger um but he was the kid on oh yeah yeah weird science the tv show weird oh, the science. tv okay i remember the movie okay yeah and then he was married to jenny mccarthy I oh, had okay. the child with Jenny McCarthy. Wasn't he a director? And he's a director, right. Okay. But he's oh, also he... an actor. He started as an actor. Okay. So we become friends in Albuquerque, and he comes up with this idea that he wants to shoot a movie. He comes to, he sees me in a couple of plays, and he has this idea he wants to shoot a movie in one shot, no cuts. I heard about this. Yeah. So he approached me. Would I be willing to do it? Because he knew I, if I do theater, that I could handle doing 90 minutes of dialogue. So... Uh, which I, I'm running out of dialogue right now, but uh, we only have we only have eight minutes. Left, oh, so good! I can, oh, I could I could go I could, I could do this. So um, so he came up with this idea of called somebody marry me that we shoot we in 98 minutes, no cuts, one camera, four locations, the longest single shot in American history. Now, when you say okay, four, because I wasn't it before the longest shot was at uh, it was at um, Orson Welles movie I think Touch of Evil. Well, no. Touch of Evil, we do a little, we threw a little tribute into that in okay. the in the movie in in our movie. At one point, I turned on the TV and Touch of Evil is on in the background. Okay. That was my idea. Now, when you say four locations, but you're doing one shot, one shot. What, is he just following you? So you're walking down the street. Not dr- and- I get, I drive in a truck, real driving. The camera gets in with me in real traffic. Not being towed. Really? Talking on the phone, really driving to the second location. Actors are waiting for me along the route at all different spots. You better watch that because, you know, a cop's going to give you a ticket for well, driving on the cell phone. Well, that happens later. in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> of course, that happens in the movie. We did have a, a police escort, but we weren't allowed to run lights. We had, okay. we had an escort, but we weren't allowed to break any traffic rules or so, control the lights. So that much, so you just, you, you, I mean, you, know, you try to conce- you you, know, concede this. It's like, <clears throat> so you meet this guy on a plane. Right. And then one day he goes, "Hey, you know what? You're just gonna we're just gonna shoot this." Yeah. And and so basically, of course, you have to do the script reading, and all right. that, and all that. But did it? But what happens? I mean, did he just do it in one take, or did you do another take? Or we tr- we it, we had one day to shoot it because okay. we had we had real locations. So we thought we would get three or four full takes of it, and then pick the best take. The first three takes were blown for a reason. I won't mind. somebody messed up their lines, and we couldn't get out of it. And then the the third, fourth take, we got 66 minutes into the movie, and the camera froze. The media kind of That must be so frustrating. So I saw the camera go up, the cameraman's head goes down, because he's carrying, he's, you know, I have a hard job, because I don't leave the camera for the 98 minutes, but he's following me for 98 minutes, carrying, you know, handheld. Uh, And he was just so distraught. Now it's getting late, it's starting to rain, we have to break for lunch. This is our only day to shoot the movie. Right. We said, okay, we'll have to just try it one more time. So we did. We did it. And the only time we ever went from beginning to end on location ever is the movie. That's just amazing. And it's a sweet, 
funny and the movie really works. Now, is it on video now or is it not yet? We fit uh, a lot of the uh, some film festivals because I've he- I've heard about it. I don't know where I heard about it. There, I, there, I, there have been some write ups about okay. it. Yeah, uh, well, probably my Facebook page. No, no, <laughs> I'm, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm not sure. No, I've heard because when you said that, I, I heard someone say it's the lo- it's one of those shows. I don't know what it was, but yeah. it's very interesting. It really is, and it's and it actually works. It's funny because the time constraint, the idea that it's one shot. Obviously, you can't cheat time. The film, the script has to take place in real time. Right. So you add that aspect of real time and the urgency of the 98 minutes of something having to get resolved in 98 minutes, and then you're not cutting. That works on the audience because they're in it. You know. We have a few minutes left. I want to ask you, you said uh, theater. Are you doing a lot of theater now again? Or Not a lot. I do whenever I can. Do you miss it? I, I do. I get antsy to do theater. I do a lot of play readings, which is kind of like a little, you know, little shot like getting, uh, you know, when you're taking heroin and you, you, what do you call that when you get after? When you, oh, uh, uh, DT. Uh, 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 no, no, after heroin when they give you the fake heroin. Oh, uh, methadone. Methadone, yeah. So, you know, I do play readings, which is like methadone for heroin. Right. For, but I, the last play I did, I did um, Lombardi. I played Vince Lombardi. Get the Bill Dawes was just on. Wait, no. No. Oh, Bill Dawes, yeah. Bill Dawes was he's just on, on Broadway with Dan Laurie. Yeah, he's going back to do being Bronx, Bronx Bombers. It starts next month. Right, right. Yeah. Can, now, where did you do the Lombardi at? I did it. I, I met him when I went to New York to do it because Dan Laurie is one of my oldest friends. By the way, remember the part? I, this is how it all comes around. The part I didn't get on Muggable Mary, yeah. and I ended up doing the security guard. Dan Laurie. Dan Laurie got it. That's and funny. And from that day, I never knew who he was, but I said, I'm going to remember this name. That's so funny. <laughs> and it was Dan Laurie, and we had since become friends, and we've done lots of theater together over the years. Because he's worked a lot of stuff with Bill. Bill's work, Bill said he's a great guy. He's a, a wonderful guy, and he's so supportive of other actors, and he's so supportive of theater. And, uh, yeah, I, I, had, I spent some time with Bill in New so York. So you did Lombardi I did, here? No, I did it in Florida. It was okay. the first production after New York. Now, did, was it, it must have been great. It was, it was completely challenging. It wasn't a role I thought I was right for, but Dan kept saying he made me come to New York to see him do it because he thought I'd be a good replacement for him. Uh, and then the show closed, and then they offered it to me in Florida, and I thought, oh, I'll try it there, you know, see if I could, because I didn't feel like it was in me. And then once I locked into it, I had a blast. It's a difficult role, but it's. A- I could imagine because I've seen documentaries about him. Just, a, just you know, just an amazing guy, and just but so like, like you see him with the buzz cut and the tie. That's yeah, him. That's him. That's him. It's, it's so, the whole attitude. That's him. And screaming. It's a physically challenging. You're doing regional theater. You're doing eight shows a week. You know, and you're yelling nonstop, and you can't not yell. You know, Dan and I talked about that. Can we not yell in this part? And every time you think you can't, the line says, "Why are you yelling?" So you have it. You know, it's just keeping yourself physically fit in that part is a big challenge. Did you do any theater in L.A. at all? I do. I did uh, I, I did a play a couple of years ago at the Pasadena Playhouse. Okay. Which I did a play called Mauritius, uh, which was a really wonderful play and a great role. And, I, you know, one of those 99-seat theaters. Yeah, I do them all. I try to do one a year or so, at least just to stay How up. do you figure, how do you find which one you're going to do? Because, you, you know, and there's so many plays I've, out there. I've made some mistakes, believe me. Uh, you know, if it's a pl- thing like the... Uh, Pasadena Playhouse, which is a rich, beautiful old theater. You know, I, I'd do anything they would ask me to do there. Um, but then these smaller plays, new plays, I just read the play, and if I have a feeling for the part, I'll do it. Or usually it comes from a friend. Somebody's directing it. Somebody's acting in it, and they think I'd be good in it, and, you know, I do it that way. Cool. Well, God, you know, yeah. it's, the time's almost up. Uh, wow. uh, what, what else? Anything Anything uh, coming up we can check you out? Oh, damn it. I was hoping we'd run out of time before you asked me that question. I saw you. <laughs> I, you were on The Mentalist. I did just do an episode of The Mentalist, and if you go to see um, Last Vegas, that's with um, with uh, a couple of my friends, Robert De Niro, yeah. Morgan Freeman, Michael Douglas, and Kevin Klein. 
those guys? Oh, yeah, that's yeah. Good. If you see that and can force yourself not to blink, you know, a la, you know, the toothpicks, like, uh, right. you know, uh, then you'll see me in that movie. It's just amazing. I mean, so do you still get recognized though? Because you have a very recognizable look. Yeah, yeah. When I, you know, I just was in New York recently, and I get recognized in New York. Yeah, people always, people always know they know me. You know, maybe they can't pinpoint where. Real quick. Yeah. During the Sopranos, and then they say sometimes people are dumb. Did anyone ever actually think you were like a real mobster? Like, did that ever happen that someone said you're in the mob? I'm at. It happens more often than you. I'm at the gym. This is just a couple of years ago. And uh, there's a girl there that I know, and we're friendly, we're friendly, we're friendly. And uh, some guy that I keep, he's always giving me this kind of weird look. So finally, she tells me that he went up to her after we were talking and said, why are you friendly with that guy? She said, he's my friend. She says, you know he's in the mob, don't you? That's funny. Because he didn't know me from The Sopranos, but somehow he thought maybe... He That's thought I was, funny. And it's not like... Do I give off a you know now, a you hitman know, mob? No. no, and not at the gym. You know, no, you give it the Barbarino look. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, My pleasure. Do, do you, you tweet? Give your Twitter address. Uh, it's Ray Abruzzo at Twitter. I think A B R U Z Z O. Right there, you go. One word. And uh, you know, Facebook wherever. Oh, thank you for coming. It was oh, great man, My pleasure. Uh, people also, you know, uh, follow me at Twitter at Cooper Talk. Also, send me an email, Cooper at Indy One Hundred. Uh, I'll respond to you. We'll talk. Tell me what guests you want. Uh, CooperTalk.net. I have about 210 episodes up. Also, uh, any day now, go into the Google Play Store, type in Cooper Talk. My app will be coming up. And if you want to do it for your iPhone, go to coopertalk.podbean.com forward slash mobile forward slash. And you can just put it right on your desktop. Also, iTunes, as I said, iTunes and uh, Stitcher Radio. Just look me up. And yeah, I want you guys to keep keep, uh, listening. And, you know, get ready for Christmas. It's only a few weeks away. So get your tree, decorate it, and you got to be, uh, be giving this year. So remember, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest. And don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, and take your vitamins. It's time for me to go get lunch. <laughs>